Happy Father's Day, fathers. It is a privilege. Sometimes you have to remind yourself that. <laughs> it is a privilege to, uh, you know, I was, I was walking through and I was watching my kids go through our house the other day and, and uh, the Holy Spirit chimed in. And he says, you know, you're their father for a season, but you know, you're just really stewarding them for me. I'm, I'm their father, really. And so pretend as though you're fathering them as somebody else's kids, like, like they're my kids. Father them that way. And uh, there's going to come a day where Josh and Marshall, they'll grow up, and, and Caitlin will grow up, and they won't be my, I mean, in, my, in the flesh, they'll always be my sons and my daughters, right? But in Christ, they're my brothers and my sisters. Because Christ is our eldest brother. He is the one that gave all of us life, and God is the Father of all. We don't know any by the flesh anymore, we know him by the Spirit. And my kids are going to grow up and live for God, and uh, they're going to be my brothers and sisters. And so, he was saying, you know, those are my kids. (laughs) You need to steward them like they're my kids. Puts a little bit more fear, a little bit more accountability in me, you know. And, And uh. Fear of God is beginning of wisdom, amen? And, uh, you know, a good father, it says in the scriptures that a good father, or what father is there that if they love their son, if they don't chasten him, if they don't correct him, right? And it says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know, if, if uh, part of growing up <laughs> is learning the fear of your father in a good way. In a good way. Not because that's who you should know him as, ultimately, but growing up as, you know, children need parents, right? They don't, they're not supposed to raise themselves. And uh, if they raise themselves, they, uh, they end up kind of weird sometimes. <laughs> but if you let your father and your mother raise them right. See, my kids right now, they are getting to know the fear of me somewhat. Because every time they push their brother or their sister down, which comes naturally, by the way, (laughs) it comes pretty naturally for them to get upset at each other. Caitlin, very natural for her to get upset (laughs) at the brothers, you know. She will go in and take their toys, fully knowing what she's doing, trying to get a reaction, you know. She's, She's smart as a whip, 18 months. She'll go in there, Marshall's got all of his beautiful fire trucks lined up in a perfect row you know just just he I don't know why he liked he has he has to have it like that she'll come in there she'll look at him in fact she'll wait for him to look you know he'll come in the room she'll (laughs) take it and run off just immediately because she knows she's going to get that reaction from him you know and they'll fight each other and and I gotta every once in a while I gotta come in there because they're so loud you know hey Quiet, 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 all of you, quiet. <laughs> What's happened here? Why are, why are you tripping this one, and why is this one beating on this one? <laughs> What's going on? Fear of the Lord, fear of the Father. It's the beginning of wisdom, right? Because there has to come some correction in there for, there to un- for them to understand the love of God. Love of God and the fear of God are two sides of the same coin. You don't, you don't get the love without the judgment. They're the same thing. See, and you can't know right and wrong and have a father that gives you right and wrong and doesn't give you love and punishment. Because as much as I love my boy, I also love my other boy. And I love you, boy, but when you take that bat to your other brother's head, I hate that. I love you, but I hate that. Right? See, this love and judgment are the same thing. Right? And in the beginning, we, uh, our fathers had to teach us correction, but you end up knowing them in love. You know. And my father built me up, and, and uh, I can remember one of the, one of the scariest, scariest sentences mom could utter. Was, uh, I'm going to tell your dad when he gets home. 
don't do that. Please don't tell dad. Please, 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 please don't tell dad. Because we're acting like heathens. Heathens need to know the fear of what's right and wrong, yes? Amen. Let's be going to... (laughs) Oh, let's see. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Jesus was the very first son of God. And uh, as a son of God... You know, we tend to have this view of Jesus that Jesus kind of just all of a sudden came into the earth and he was able to perform miracles. You almost get the idea that Jesus was born fully God, knowing everything, could do anything he wanted. You know, you kind of get this idea that there was no growth or development in Christ. He just kind of, oh, here I am, bam, bam, bam. I, how, how can you do that? Well, I'm God. <laughs> Shabam, you know, or Shazam, or however... You know, I'm God, I can do whatever I want, you know. And we don't have this picture, and religion steals it from us because religion, what religion likes to do is it likes to put Jesus and separate him from us. But that's not why he came, is it? He came to be like us. He came to exemplify what it meant to be a son. He came to relate to us. He came to be our example and our mark and how we should walk in this life. Amen? So... God didn't just send a man who could do whatever he wanted and couldn't relate to you and me. In fact, as a man, Jesus came and he walked completely as a man here. And what I mean by that is he didn't have some special ability, some hidden talent, some kind of trump card he could pull out and override the devil just because he was God. Otherwise, he could not have paid for your and my sins. He didn't have some kind of privileged access to the throne. In all points, he was tempted like we were. In all points, he was made compatible and like us. And if you as a child growing up, everybody understand, if you had to grow up and learn and grow, Jesus, he had to learn and grow up. See, He had to be built up. One of the things that I, I loved about my father was the way he built us kids up. And he would tell us, and, and maybe, maybe to a fault almost, he says, you kids can do anything, you know. And so we believed him. You, you can do anything. You set your hand at You know, we were the best at whatever we did in my dad's eyes. <laughs> and so we had that view of ourselves, even though sometimes we weren't quite the best. <laughs> but, but we had that view, and he would build us up. One of the things I appreciate about my dad There was a lot of things that, you know, maybe some dads will teach their kids different things, things that they enjoy. My dad didn't teach me a lot about mechanics. He didn't teach me a lot about housework and handyman stuff, but he did teach me a lot about the Word of God. And, And I'm not saying you can't have both, but what I remember from my dad was that he would always impart into me the scriptures. I can remember seasons where he would make us memorize five scriptures a week. And he says, now you've got to memorize those and you'd come through. Now I would go through looking for the, the easy ones, you know. Eventually I run out of those though, you know. Jesus wept. There's one. I got that one now. <laughs> Jesus wept. I love that one. <laughs> it's like, okay, but you've got to do a different one next week. Anyway. And there would be times where we'd, we'd have to read a passage of the Bible, a chapter or two, and, he, and then we'd... Uh, We'd have to write a little, I remember him making me write a little report. What was this about, you know? And I can remember what I would do is I would look at the, the chapter headings, you know. I could summarize from the chapter headings, Jesus preached parable on the mount. And so I would write a three-sentence long explanation about the parable on the mount. Jesus sat on the mountain and preached a parable, and it was on a mount, you know. <laughs> just, you know, milked those sentences very <laughs> good dad say I don't think you're reading this you know and uh, but I remember he would build me up in that and there was an impartation that and a building and a growing of my knowledge of the scriptures same and sometimes we have this view of Jesus that somehow he had this kind of super gene that he could just he came knowing all the scriptures already you know he was the word so he just he had them all in there to begin with I don't I can't compare to that that's not true. That's a lie. 
In fact, anything that separates you from Christ is a lie. Anything that causes you not to relate to him is a lie. Because he came to relate to you. He didn't come to be God here. He came to be man here. Now, I don't mean that he wasn't both fully God and fully man, but it also says he, he left that place. And my dad always described it like this. He put his divinity on a coat rack. And in John, you can actually read in John, he says, Restore unto me the glory that I had with thee before the world was. See, he, he prays this. What do you mean? It means he wasn't, he wasn't all powerful here. What he was was a son. He was a son that walked as a man that was obedient to his father. And he was an example to all of us of what you can look like on, in this earth, on, in this life, as a son that grows. And, and for the longest time, I had this vision of Christ, of somebody that could just because he was specially made, he could do things other people could not, you know. Sometimes you'll watch these videos or these movies they make about Jesus. And one of them I've seen on TV is this, they have this four or five-year-old Jesus walking along the road, a dusty road. And he sees this dead bird laying there, you know. And nobody sees him, but he quietly picks it up and just whew, it flies away, you know. And, 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 and that's not in the scriptures at all, but it implies... There's just a power there that's, you know, God manifests all the time. That's not what I see in scriptures. It, he did no miracles before he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? <clears throat> I know I said Luke 2, and we are going to go there. But uh, go to John 2. John 2. The very first miracle that Jesus did, uh, we have recorded in John as being he turned water into wine. Everybody remember that? And we're going to read this here. I, can, uh, I was praying a couple of months ago and I was sitting outside and I was saying, Lord, you know, I understand that Jesus grew. I, know I, I understand that he grew up. He didn't just know everything. He was a man. He was taught. He got to know you over time. He, I said, but I don't relate to Jesus. I don't understand how it was. How it was. How come he could just get baptized with the Holy Spirit? And now it does say he went and fasted 40 days, right? The devil tempted him. He tempted him in, in, in different levels, spirit, soul, and body. He tempted him with, with food. He tempted him with um, uh, the power of the entire earth, you know, he tempted him emotionally, all of these things, you know. And, and he went through and he passed all those tests. And, and, and it's not as though God is guarding the power, but the devil is guarding the power. Because if you, I, I had a pastor that said this once, he says, if you want what's God's best, you have to go through what is Satan's worst. Because God, the devil does not allow, how do I put it, he doesn't allow, he doesn't allow the power of God to go untested. And if you come with a power that can just overturn his kingdom, he's going to look for a weakness. He is going to look for it. He did it with Jesus. You can bet surefire he's going to do it with you. And the, and the difference between somebody that makes it and somebody that does not, it's not the sovereign will of God. It's the weaknesses they didn't get rid of or they, they didn't want to get rid of, Okay. Sometimes people get offended and leave church. Sometimes people get offended and they love. Okay, it's, it's up to them to deal with the offense. Both the offendee and the offender are susceptible to being pulled by the devil. Because if you can offend or if you can be offended, the devil has something he can use with you. See, The devil will look for whatever he can do. <clears throat> And we see this here, Jesus, he, I, I was praying to God and I says, I don't relate to Jesus in this way. How come he could just get baptized like that? He, now he fasted 40 days. I have not done that, okay? <laughs> I'm full. But, and he went through those temptations and I think there's something to that, that you, you have to be able to withstand a certain amount of pressure from the enemy to be able to walk in that kind of power from the Holy Ghost. Because it's not like God can just pour it out and the devil's not going to come and say, what is it that this guy's weak in? That's what he'll do. 
So there has to be some strength of character on the inside of you to walk with that. All right? It's part of the reason why we don't see it all. Okay? Because, not because God doesn't want to give it to us. But how often do you see people that get just the slightest bit of power, get a healing in their ministry, and all of a sudden they're just, they're just so bloated you can't even talk to them, you know? Right? It's pride. Pride. <clears throat> Jesus was clothed with humility. Amen. And I, but I said, I, don't, I do not relate to how it was he could come right out of being baptized, out of the wilderness, and then everything. How come everything he said happened? Now, I've had what I've said happened before, but not like that. You know, I can remember some instances where I have prayed and immediately I saw a change. Uh, but it's not like what I see Jesus doing, like, Cursing trees, walking on water, coming right out of the very first miracle. He's ready to do a creative miracle. We're going to turn water into wine. Now I'm saying, look, this is, a, this is a man like you and me. He came to identify with us. How come he could just come right out of the gate doing all of these miracles that sometimes there's people, they, they, they follow God their whole life. They never see the kind of stuff that Jesus did on the first day. I says, I don't relate to this kind of power. And the very and, and I said it to I said that, and and the very first thing I heard back from the Holy Ghost it was this verse right here. <clears throat> it was John chapter two. And actually, the 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 words that he used. This is how the Holy Ghost deals with me. The words that he used. I was saying all this, and all of a sudden, I just heard in my ear. I not in my physical ear, but inside in my spirit. Okay, I heard this. He says, "Woman, what have?" you to do with me my time has not yet come that's what i heard and so i went and looked it up all right and it's it's right here it's in john chapter 2 verse 1 and the third day there was a marriage in cana of galilee and the mother of jesus was there and both jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage and when they wanted wine the mother of jesus said unto him they have no wine okay so this is a problem <laughs> This is a problem. They're all at the party. There's no, there's no wine. They don't have anything to drink. <laughs> what happens when something like that happens? Your mom comes tells you about it. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said in her, <laughs> I could just, anyway, woman, what do you, what have I to do with this? This isn't my party. This is my my job. Anyway, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And he's saying, you know, spiritually speaking, this is, I'm not, this is not the time yet to reveal this, okay? <laughs> His mother doesn't even regard what he says. That's the way it reads, okay? Amen? <laughs> Anybody, any, any guys relate to that? His mother said unto his servants, <laughs> I love you, Mom. <laughs> All right. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother doesn't even, he says, Mother said, write to the servants, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. Now, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I understand that Jesus, when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's, and Jesus plainly says, it's the works that God's doing through me. It's him doing these works. I of myself can do nothing, he later on and says. So he didn't do any works up until this point. My question to you is how come Mary knew to come to him and say this? Obviously, there was something she expected of him, right? Something she expected of him above and beyond just, I mean, the implication of these verses is he's not just going to go out and get some more wine from someplace. The implication here is he says, whatever this guy tells you to do, servants, you obey him. Why? Why was it that Mary expected this of Jesus even though he had not done a single miracle yet? Now, I don't know that she expected him to manifest it like he did. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that she expected something in a sense supernatural from her son. She expected, let me put it a different way, even though he had not done any works up until this point. There was an expectation in her that my son has a unique relationship with God. Am I right? 
okay? Now, this isn't just theory. I want to go back and prove this, okay? Now, we all know what happens. He tells them what to do. They fill the water pots with water. It turns into wine, right? This was the first miracle that he did. But I want you to see a couple places here. And I'm going somewhere with this because it's important that we relate to Jesus in his growth, not just in, 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 in what he set us free from sin and all that, okay? <clears throat> now, you can go back to um, Luke chapter 2. So this is where I was at. I was like, Lord, I do not, I see the works that he did, and I see that he says the works that you'll do, or I'll do, you'll do also. There's no escaping that he expected his disciples, and not just his disciples, but all that would believe on him through their words, he said, that they would do the works of Christ. And I'm, I'm saying, I don't see this kind of trust in me coming right out of the gate. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit for, I don't know, the better part of 15 years at least. And, and here I am, I'm trying to follow God. And I've, he's coming right out of the gate, 40 days fasting, and let's turn water into wine. I, I said, God, I don't relate to that. And that's what he told me. Now, I want you to see this. And, and, and the, the impression was, there's something there that Mary recognized with Jesus that he had a relationship with God the Father, right? Relationship with God the Father and here's where I'm going with this, and you're going to see it in Scripture. God had been fathering Christ from the very time he was born. God had been his father up until the time before he went into ministry. He had been walking with his father God for upwards of 30 years, getting taught the Scriptures, getting understanding and having fellowship. Because Jesus was born not in the likeness of men, but in the likeness. He had the very nature and image of God on the inside of us, what he gave each and every one of you, yes? He had that from birth. So God was his father from birth in the spiritual sense, yes? Now, physically, the body, I, I believe that, you know, that probably came genetically from, from Mary, the physical body. I don't really know all that. But I know spiritually, Spiritually, the life came from God and that Jesus and God had a connection as a father and a son and there was a teaching process going on for those whole 30 years up until the point where he got baptized and then he started walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. As it says, it says, you know Jesus of Nazareth, how he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because... God was with him. That's the explanation. It's not that he was special. God was with him. Now, if you have been born again and you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, well, now God is with you, right? All right. So everybody in Luke chapter 2. Now, go to verse... Um, well, let's start in verse 41, and we'll have to read through this. Luke 2... Verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, everybody say 12. It says 12, okay? When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem asking or after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. So the picture I have there is they were returning. There's a big group of family and a big, you know, they traveled in a large group for safety, and, and they've just assumed Jesus is amongst this caravan of all the family that's, you know, you know how kids do run around. <laughs> He's, but he didn't. He didn't come back with the group. He came. He was still in Jerusalem. In verse 45, and when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast, thou, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Now, whose father do you think he's talking about there? 
It's Father God, right? It's Father God. And, and it says in verse 50, and they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Why? Because they thought, what do you mean you're doing your dad's business? Joseph didn't have any business. They were there for the Passover. <laughs> they didn't understand what he was saying. He, they, there was a relationship, even at 12, because there was a spirit that could receive spiritual things, right? If I had time, I'd go to Corinthians where it says the carnal man does not receive the spirit of God, but the spiritual. And, and the Holy Ghost compares spiritual things to spiritual, right? So there was a spiritual life in Jesus that could be taught and fed from God his Father. And this was occurring, we know at least from 12 years of age, to the point that it was the questions and the understanding that was in his heart and in his mind at 12 was already astonishing the doctors, okay? And they understood them not saying which he spake unto them, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And that kind of implies a little bit that, you know, even though you still need to mind your parents, even though you're God incarnate, okay? <laughs> and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Now look at this verse 52. And Jesus increased. Everybody say increased. That increase implies a building, right? That increase implies a growing, okay? And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. You mean he didn't just come with it all at once? No, he did not. He did not. He, like any person, like any child, like any son or daughter of God that has ever been, okay, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man, see? Now, it says right there, he increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God. In other words, there was a growing process that even though he was born righteous, there was a growing process of his understanding, trusting, and walking with his Father. Okay. And in this day and age, we, like, we don't like processes. We like instant things. We like Presto, you know, the microwave generation. And, and you know, um, if, if you're going to do anything meaningful, I, I feel like it takes some time, you know. But we live in a, an age where we can, you know, they even, I've watched documentaries, they can put houses together inside of a building in a matter of two months and then ship them to you. <laughs> it's incredible what they can do, all right? But as for all of those advances that, there's these things that we still have to be patient with and grow and walk with God and build a relationship of trust with him, see? And, and see, my, my father did this with me every single day he invested in me. He invested in me. He, you know, every week, in and out. Let's learn a couple more scriptures, see? And, and see, sometimes it's difficult because my heart is I'm all or nothing. I try and get everything in and get it all done at once. And, um, I try to run before I can walk, and then so since I get frustrated, I don't end up trying anymore. You know, I would, I can remember I would take my 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 saxophone scales when I'd go to uh, to band class, and I wouldn't even practice them. I would just try and go as the fast. You know how how you're supposed to practice your band scales. You're supposed to take the notes, play them one at a time, very slowly, and you get them all right, and then you speed them up. Well, I knew how it was supposed to be. You're supposed to be going fast. So I would try and make them sound fast, but I didn't have them down, right? <laughs> and you just try and go fast, but you're stumbling all over. You cannot force the walk. You cannot force the practice. The fruit will either be there or it won't. Everybody see what I'm saying? There is a daily in and out of building and going and building and going. And, you know, for all of the, the, the tedious work that, Everybody lives for the Friday night lights of, of walking in uh, with a, catching a, a touchdown pass as a young guy. I always wanted to play, right? But you, you don't like the, the drudgery of five in the morning getting up and lifting weights, staying after school when everybody else gets to go home and play video games and they're free and you're baking in the hot sun. Okay. And you're, you're running all of these boring maneuvers and you just get it in, in, in. And so there's a building that takes place. And what a father does is he invests in his child and grows him up on a daily basis. Everybody say daily. It is a daily growing up in a building that takes place when you father a child. Okay. And um, let's go to Luke chapter 14. 
it's uh, another good analogy. There's people that try to make it rich quick, you know. And a lot of times those people lose it quick if they make it. But then there's people that on purpose, they steward their money and they build it and they grow it a little bit over time, a little bit over time, a little bit over time they invest it. And it doesn't, you know, it's nothing glamorous. They don't, they don't show it. But maybe somebody puts a little bit away every week, every month, invested in here, to quietly working their, their finances. And they don't talk about it, but by the time they're 40, 50, 60, you know, they got a couple million in the bank and you think, my goodness, how did you do that? I want to do that. I want to do it in two months. <laughs> right? Isn't that the way we feel about stuff? And we want, we want an instant relationship with God and worse than that sometimes, we come when we're most desperate and we don't have any foundation to trust him with. You know, we don't have much walk with him and he will still reach out for you there. But then, you know, we get our answer or we get our fix or everything's okay. And then, I mean, we see this. There's so many people, and, and I'm going to try and be, how do I be tactful? Throughout the years, throughout the years, my mom has invested in people that have never set foot in this church. And it's, and we're not complaining. But it's because they get something through her from God to just patch it up enough to go out and be good for another couple of years before they run into another emergency. And that's the extent of their relationship with God. And it's, it's, it's not a complaint that we have, but I'm just saying that is not a walk with God. That is not a develop and a, grow, and a growing of trust with God. Now look at, look at what, uh, okay, we'll start here. Verse uh, Luke 14, everybody in chapter 14. Verse 25. And there was a great multitude with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife, children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now look at this verse 28. This is a parable. Okay, For which of you... Intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply, after he laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sits not down first, and consulteth whether he be able to with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000. Or else, whether he is a great way off, he sends an ambassador and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. <clears throat> when I was sitting there praying... And I was asking the Lord, what is it about Jesus that allowed him to go right from being baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost? Because in my mind, the problem was power. Why don't I see the power? You know? And it's not like we don't. There's been some tremendous miracles that we've seen, okay? And, and he will watch over his word to perform it. Everybody with me? Okay? You can be born again, fresh out of the world, and God will use you in a gift. We even see it in the scriptures. Okay. But what is it about Jesus that he came right out of the water, right out of the fast? Now, there's something to going through what the devil has. Okay. But then he come right out, and there was already nothing impossible to him. And I kept thinking, how come such tremendous power, if I'm supposed to relate to this person, how it doesn't seem like there was any buildup at all. You know, it wasn't like a, a little headache healed here you know <laughs> this is the way I think you know and, and and you keep thinking well you build you get greater and greater miracles the foundation the foundation for everything that Jesus did wasn't based on the power and I kept thinking how come he can just walk into all that he had 30 years of knowing who his father was 
30 years of knowing who his father was. Why was everything possible? He had no problem believing God. He knew him. See. And there is a reality that can settle in your heart. And, and, and as ministers, and, and you see this in so many people that endeavor to do ministry, they try and go for the best show. And I watch them. I, I try and just keep my, my, my ear to the, to the, I don't know, the floor or however you want to say it on, on some of these other ministries and I watch them and I watch them in their best efforts try and create the power of God. But you see the level of their walk and how it's not quite there. There isn't a trust as God their father. Because really, how can, how can you claim all this power of God, but then you can't trust him to meet your needs. I, I, you see him walk in strife and offense and bitterness. And see, there's something there that's not quite right. And I kept thinking, boy, that power is just unprecedented. It just, I'm looking at Jesus. He just was able to walk into it. The problem is not the power. It's the faithfulness and the trust and the relationship that God had with him. And there was a growing process because to me, looking at that power, I just thought, that's instantaneous. Why don't we see that anymore? We don't see it anymore because we don't see the relationship anymore. See? There is a growing and a relationship that Jesus had from his birth to the point where at 12 years old, he was astonishing those that taught the law. He must have been being taught something else. <laughs> right? Amen. And I believe that there is a, God is a father to your spirit as his child. He sent the Holy Spirit to build you up on your most holy faith. It says in Jude 20, but you beloved, we're beloved, right? Build yourself up. Why do we need to be built up? Isn't God's word true? Can't you just put the bullet in your gun and shoot it? Why do you need to be built up? But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, he was the one that was sent to teach you, right? Doesn't it say that Jesus grew in favor and in stature and in wisdom? See, he grew in all of those things. And here we have this picture in Luke 14 of what does it look like if you're going to be Jesus' disciple. And one of the analogies he uses is building a tower. See, There is a certain amount of cost associated with building a tower, building a structure. You cannot, you have to have sufficient plans. You have to have, do you have, do you understand what the cost of this thing is? Could you imagine somebody endeavoring to build a huge tower like a skyscraper or even a Walmart or something in this town? And they said, well, I've, we'll, have, we'll get the money from somewhere. Do you know what it's going to cost? I don't know. I mean, but we're just going to get started. <laughs> you don't have a budget or anything. You don't know how much this is going to cost you. You don't know what kind of decisions you're going to have to make. Is it profitable? You know what Jesus is outlining here? He's outlining the cost. He's telling them what's the cost. What's the cost? Which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost? Well, he was telling us what the cost was. Look at verse 26. Now, if any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and wife, happy Father's Day. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also. Well, now what's he talking about here? We know that he's commanded us to love everyone, right? Why would he use such a phrase like this, hate? Let's see. He was saying it to get their attention. He was saying it, look, if, if the leadership of your family is greater than the leadership of God, you can't be my disciple. If you love your family more than you're willing to love, a different way to say love is follow. See? If any man come to me and hate not his father, well, he's not teaching hate here. He's talking about leadership. And children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And he lived this, by the way. When his mother called him out and he said, my mother and my brethren are those that do the will of God. What's the implication there? <laughs> they were not. Anyway, that's, what it, that's the implication. 
and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That phrase there, if any man come unto me and hate not hate his own life also. Back up here and look in verse 16. Same chapter, verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say unto them that they were bidden to come. For all things are now ready. And they all began, or they all with one consent began to make an excuse. Everybody say an excuse. Now look at these excuses. These are not, these are everyday things. Right? These are the excuses we all use. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must need go and see it. I pray you have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray that you have me excused. <clears throat> and another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> So that servants came and showed his Lord these things, and the master of the house began to be angry and said unto the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the hither, the, the poor, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. Paul said it this way in another place. He says, Have you noticed that there's not many wise, not many noble that are called? See, those that are rich in the world are poor with God. See, those that spend their efforts and their life on the things of this world. Jesus said it this way, if you love this life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose this life, you'll find it. Right? Right? All of these things are average life things. You know? You buy land. We don't buy oxen anymore. <laughs> Not most of us. We buy a car. Well, I bought a brand new car. I got to work extra, extra hours. So you can't, you can't follow God now. See, these are the excuses we make of why we can't do what God's told us to do. And at some point, you have to make a choice. And we keep kind of trying to justify our choices why we don't get to have a relationship with God. Oh, I got married and I got busy. I got a car. I, I, I made my house bigger. You know. <laughs> Look at this. He says, he began to be angry and says, Go quickly in the streets and lanes and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Then the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto them that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. In other words, if you make excuse for your life, you don't get to taste what God has for your life. Amen. And it's in that context he goes on to say, and there was a great multitude, verse 25, that were with him. And he turned and said unto them, if there be any man there who wants to follow me and doesn't hate. And he was saying all these things. He wasn't saying you shouldn't take care of your family. He was saying you cannot let your family lead you. You have to lead him, them into God. You will not be able to hold up an excuse of a wife You'll not be able to hold up an excuse of your property. You'll not be able to hold up an excuse of your own personal dreams and be able to taste of the supper of God, at least not here. I'm not saying that these people aren't necessarily born again, but they did not get to be Jesus' disciple. See, and these are the lusts of the flesh that pull people away because Jesus said it right here. <clears throat> Verse 27, everybody see this? And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be, his be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? Now skip ahead and look at this. Verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all. Everybody say this with me. Forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. See, a disciple is somebody that disciplinedly follows their master. And Jesus was saying, I have left everything that I might have what I have now. See, what you see was the unbridled power of God being loosed on somebody. And that was Jesus. Because the relationship that he had with God was his only valuable possession. 
that he had in this life. He didn't care about what he wore. He didn't care about what he owned. I sometimes wonder if he had dreams or aspirations of being a, a good carpenter, you know? Like that, that's a pretty noble profession back then. And like that's what he was trained to do. I wonder sometimes if there was part of his flesh. So, you know, we really could make a business out of this. I wonder if he was good at it. Ever ask yourself those questions? I wonder if he made a nice set of chairs. If he made a nice, you know, pottery and things like that. And whatever carpenters make, (laughs) not pottery. I wonder if he was good at it. He obviously didn't care. He let it go, you know. And so oftentimes we will use our dreams and our talents and we'll say, well, God gave them to me. Yeah, but you can surrender them to God. Maybe he'll use them, maybe he won't. But see, he doesn't need more talent. The world has talent. You can say, well, God gave me this talent to glorify him. Well, who gave so-and-so their talent? Everybody's got talent. Everybody's got ability. If you're going to be Jesus' disciple, there is a forsaking all, right? There is a counting the cost, and there is a building and a growing up. See, and I do not want to be somebody that doesn't count the cost and abandons the foundation that I've laid. Because God's trying to build something in me and God's trying to build something in you. And just like any good father invests in their children, they're trying to invest and grow them up into a place where that they can let them loose and be a full functioning person, right? Well, God is the father of your spirit and he's trying to build you up and grow you up into a place where you can be a full functioning son and daughter of God. Same. I had a, you know, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is so amazing at giving you the truth in love. And uh, I'm going to try and, I don't want to be real specific, but, but I'll be enough. I had an opportunity these, this week to just kind of stare face to face with some of my own dreams and aspirations. And um, some of the goals and the things that I, as a young man, I really enjoyed. <coughs> And uh, there was part of me when I saw what was possible in, in human effort, what I could have achieved. I have a, a friend who's achieved quite a bit of success financially in, in what they pursued. And um, sometimes it's difficult to see that. It's difficult to see what could have been. I don't know if you all compare yourself to other people. I do sometimes. Not saying it's a healthy thing to do. But <clears throat> there was dreams that I had that was similar to this person's. And uh, he's setting out to make them happen. You know. And I, <laughs> excuse me. I came home and I was telling my wife about that. And I was, to be honest, I was a little depressed. Because this guy's got quite a bit of, you know, quite a bit of assets that he's handling. And it was, you know, and in my own heart and mind, I was like, I could have done that. I could have done that. And I was talking to her about it. I says, I don't know if I'm just wondering if I missed it or if I should have done something different. And I heard the Holy Spirit And it came out my mouth. Sometimes he'll talk through me and I don't even get to stop. (laughs) It came out my mouth. And he said, I I said this, I says, I think what it is, is that I'm still afraid that I'm trusting God and I'm not going to see what he wants me to do. But see, the more you get to know him, the more you're going to forsake this life. Because there's nothing that you can accomplish here that will last. And you can spin your wheels for 50 years doing X, Y, Z. But if you never make investments into eternal things, then what were you here for? He says, he 
says, if you don't count the cost, you're not going to be my disciple. And some of those things that Jesus went through when he was sitting there, and the devil says, I'll give you this whole world. I mean, what is, what's the pressure of something like that? Because here I was faced with a, really what it was was an alternative timeline to my life. That if I would have applied myself like this guy did, I wouldn't have prayed. <laughs> I wouldn't spend time reading the Bible like I do. I wouldn't have moved back here. I wouldn't be doing this now. I saw an alternative timeline. And you know, if the devil were to show me that and say, I'll give you all this, but you can't do what you're doing now. What does it take to buy you out? See, and Jesus says, if you don't count the cost, whether you have sufficient to build or not, See, because I want to see what Jesus said we could have. But it also requires that we do what he did. Had a lady ask mom, she says, why, why is it we don't see the power? Sometimes, just last night. Jesus had a relationship with God. Yes, and, and we all have that same access. And God loves you, there's no denying it. But there... The reason, I believe, and this is what the Holy Spirit was showing me, the reason that he could walk right out of no power into all that power had nothing to do, had nothing to do with precedent for God moving in his life. Had everything to do with the relationship it was built on. Because there was a significant enough relationship that every, I believe everybody around Jesus must have known, this guy's different. He's getting taught something that I'm not getting taught. He's getting fed by something that I'm not getting fed by. There was a relationship that wherever Jesus was, there was wisdom that come from God. There was understanding that come from God. There was love being developed in his heart from an early age. Joy and peace. And that's why I believe that even though he had never done a single miracle, Mary said, whatever this guy tells you to do, you do it. Because there was a recognition of the relationship that God and Jesus had together. See, and I'm not, and Je this is what, this fits so perfectly, we'll end. Paul said it this way, he says, covet earnestly the best gifts, yes? Covet them, covet the power, covet. we wanna see healings, but he says, but I'll show you a more excellent way, right? Everybody likes to quote, 1 Corinthians 13 as evidence against the gifts of the Spirit. That's not evidence against the gifts. They were saying, yes, covet the gifts, but let me show you a better way. And he goes into the chapter on love. And Jesus, for 30 years, he never did a single miracle, but there was tremendous love from his Father in there. See? And that's what I believe that we lack. And I know just being faced with that small little temptation of seeing an alternative timeline in my life, seeing what would have been possible with my own effort to have more money, to have things different. <laughs> we live, I'm not complaining, but we live in an old farmhouse that's cold in the winter and hot in the summer. We have mice for pets, not mice that we bought either. <laughs> huh. You know, and I got friends that are doing pretty well. That's okay because I'm going to get something different. Amen. Amen. If you don't forsake all that you have, you're not going to get what Jesus got. See, and I'm going to, I'm not going to abandon my tower halfway through. I'm not going to abandon it. This is the cost of it. But you tell me, is it worth it? <laughs> yes, it's worth it. Thank you that you're such a good father that we can always count on you. I want to just take a minute. This is, this is what I'm hearing. There are always new points of resolution in our life. It's not as though that we weren't saved or we weren't following God before, but there comes a point where we lay down something new. And you know, you, don't, you can't lay down 
can't pick up the new thing that God wants to give you if you don't lay down the old thing that you had in your hands. And there is a tremendous amount of trust and love and strength that he wants to build in you. And there's things that he wants to give you. He wants to author your life you have to learn to let go of the reins a bit. Count the cost. Take Jesus at his word. Because all those guys that made excuses about their land or their, their possessions or their family, they were all called too. But they didn't get to taste what God had for them. But we're going to taste what God has for us. Amen. So I want to take just a moment while she plays. He is Lord over your heart. But there's still places where he wants to be Lord. And I'm, I'm going to let him speak to you on those just for the next five minutes. And write them down. And, and, and whatever instructions you receive during this quiet time, you and God have a meeting about counting the cost. Go ahead, honey. you understand to lay down lay down and walk walk with me in the cost you understand for there's many that have laid down much already and there is a building that's going up in your hearts and in your minds that's not built by man but built by me do not abandon it don't say I don't have what it takes don't look at your ability or your strength didn't Jesus say his yoke was easy and his burden was light so have faith that grows quickly and have hope in God and get to know him and you'll see things change rapidly don't look at what's possible with man's efforts or the amount of time that may have been wasted. But look to me, because I can redeem the time. I can redeem efforts. I can do in more, more in one year than what you could do in many lifetimes. So submit to me and begin to build again those things that you know and understand. And don't say it's impossible for me now. That's not me. That's your enemy. Amen. I believe he's wanting to build more of his character and his love. Because truthfully, the power is not the primary problem. It's trusting him. Yeah. He showed me some places where I haven't trusted him. But they're not going to stay that way. Amen. And like we always like to say, that's the power of the gospel. He doesn't show you a weakness to make you weak. He shows you a weakness to overcome it, make you strong. Let's pray. Father God, we resolve to make you Lord over more of our life this week than last week. And we do count the cost that Jesus laid out. We understand that we don't get to, if we want to be your disciple, we don't get to live a life like the rest of the world. We don't get to make excuses and we don't get to substitute your work with our work. We understand the cost, 
Father, I thank you for every open and receptive heart, the things that were communicated to them and that they already know. Give them the grace and the strength to walk with you and trust you. Following God on our own is a heavy burden. But if you, you said if we take and learn of you, it was a light burden. So we, suit, we choose to be fathered by you today. Make you Lord in those areas we have tried to do ourselves. And we thank you for your strength for our weaknesses. For your righteousness for our sin. For your power for our inability. And we thank you that you do make us those living witnesses. Those living sacrifices. That we go to all the parts of the earth and show that you are a good father and that you're still alive and well in jesus name and everybody say amen god bless you guys thank you for staying have a good father's day